Welcome to Sketch Therapist. It's the podcast that improves your sketch life. In today's episode, I'm going to share with you the joys of dawdling over a cup of coffee and sketching what you see around you. Well, our first stop is to Bewley's, Bewley's on Grafton Street. Um, it's one of my favourite cafes in the whole of Dublin. And I was there to uh, sketch Bewley's for my book, Dublin in Sketches and Stories. Um, now, Bewley's has been around since 1840. It's a really special um, cafe. On the outside, it's like beautiful red awnings. It's a two-storey building. And then above the red awnings, um, you've got the words Bewley's Oriental Cafes written on a kind of a marbly face and the, the lettering is in gold and it's all very grand and then there's another little uh, floor and that's another balcony um, with more awnings and the, the decor inside is fab like it's a real 19th century tea room style um, and there's marble everywhere and loads of exotic plants which kind of reminds you of the time in the 19th century when people were just so excited about um about, you know, exotic plants in the tropics and ferns and and palms, you know, loads of palms inside. So it's a really fabulous place and it really reminds me of my teenage years when I used to play loads of hockey on a Saturday morning and then go in with my, my little pals and catch the bus into, into Dublin and hang out in Grafton Street and go into Bewley's and if we could just about make each other out through thick cigarette smoke everywhere uh, we could drink our little cup of tea and our scones or our rock buns or whatever we were having and um, just be little teenage girls and it was all very very lovely um, and then um, so that's why I wanted I particularly wanted to include it in my book and um, kind of a trip down memory lane on the one hand but also just because it's such a fabulous place so the and and, and the the colours the colours of Bewley's like the staff with their with their uniforms they really are quite spectacular. So the men have these like little dicky bows and white shirts and black waistcoats and then these long white aprons that go down to the ground, and um the girls the the waitresses have like sweet little black uniforms with a kind of a dropped Peter Pan collar and then a little white crisp little white apron with these little um, black, a black border, white black border around it. And then right in the middle of the cafe itself, there's a kitchen area where everybody prepares food and prepares the coffees. And the people in there are like, I don't know, they're like, I don't know, boxers or something or prisoners, maybe prisoners from the 19th century. They've got like black, broad black and white striped tops. And the women have, again, these little white Peter Pan collars and the men don't. They have like full body aprons. So it's like really, really cool and very tempting for a sketcher. So when I arrived to sketch, um, I was shown up to the um, to an upper floor, a little balcony that hadn't been that wasn't in use at the time. Um, and a, a very slim but very strong uh, manager, she kind of, you know, hoisted this cast iron table above her head and um, took it upstairs and put it down for me so I could sketch, so I could have somewhere to put all my gear. You know, she was so nice. So I told her I had this voucher. Um, so this little voucher was a gift from my friend Lorraine, who had torn it out of the um, pages of a Sunday um, a Sunday magazine. And she wasn't going to be able to make it up to Dublin. She offered it to me because she knew I was up and down sketching for my book. Um, and the voucher was really cool. If you bought a coffee and a cake, you could treat a friend to a coffee and a cake. And so she figured I'd be more likely to be able to use it. But 
I couldn't really because I didn't have any friends in Dublin at the time. Um, I have lovely friends in Dublin now, but I didn't at the time. Um, I had my, my wonderful brother who was helping and advising me in the making of, of my book on Dublin. But I didn't really know anyone. And my brother was at work. He couldn't come and mess around and, you know, just, you know, dawdle over coffee. So I said to the I said to the, the manager, I said, listen, um, I have this voucher. Um, I just I don't have any friends to, to share it with. What would be and today's the last day I can use it because um, it was I think it was only valid till the end of, 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 of the month. Um, and it was the last day of the month. And uh, I said, would it be OK if I had uh, two coffees and two cakes? Um, and she was like, yes, of course, of course. She didn't she didn't like let on that that was exceptionally greedy, which it was. So anyway, I told her that um, I explained that I was sketching and I asked her, would she possibly be able to bring the prettiest cakes to me? She said, of course she would. So a few minutes later, she reappeared with two beautiful cakes that she had chosen. And she explained that one of them, um, she said it was it was called a Mary cake. And she said the recipe hasn't changed since the 1940s. And she told me it was the signature cake of Bewley's. So in front of me was this like little tower, little kind of square tower of very, very shiny dark chocolate. Um, I think you call that, is it Grenache? Is it Ganache? Ganache. The shiny, glossy um chocolate icing and then on the top square bit at the top there was kind of like a a little square of golden apricot jelly it was very very pretty and in the menu it says a Bewley's classic since the 1940s rich chocolate mousse with a delicate apricot center set upon almond sponge so the other cake was absolutely as beautiful if not more so was stunning and it was called a blackcurrant violet and vanilla eclair and the description of the menu says a delightful mix of fruit and floral with blackberry and violet crema whipped vanilla mascarpone sabayon and finished with white chocolate and fresh blackberry inspired by the colours of the Harry Clark stained glass windows and I have no idea what a crema is and I have no idea what a sabayon is but I'm sure they're both wonderful things. Now, um, the Harry Clark windows um, are the subject of a bit of a dispute going on in Bewley's at the moment. Now, I'm not quite sure of the details. All I know is that the I think it's the landlord says they're part of the fabric of the building and, um, you know, aren't separate to the actual fabric of the building, where the tenant says that they are works of art and therefore can be moved at any point. Um, and the windows are very beautiful. Harry Clark was a he was an illustrator and stained glass artist of the early 20th century. Um, and his he was a draftsman just par excellence, absolutely incredible draftsman. And I'm not sure if he's better known for his illustration or his stained glass, but either way, it's absolutely wonderful. So um, so that that was the the, 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 the that, that was the two cakes, absolutely gorgeous. And the waitress brought me up a beautiful flat white as well. And she said, I asked my colleague to make it ex- extra nicely, she said, for your sketch. I think she's from Eastern Europe and she was just so, so lovely. Anyway, I did my best. Um, I wouldn't be blessed with a, uh, a hearty constitution to snaffle two incredibly beautiful and rich cakes. So I only got halfway through one of them and decided that I would bring them back to my brother. And I thought he'd he'd like them. Um, and I tipped downstairs and asked them to um, to to wrap them up in some way. Um, And a few minutes later, uh, a man came up with this gorgeous box. I mean, the box was exquisite. And that's that's their takeaway box. That's the takeaway box of Bewley's. um, They put all their lovely bits and pieces into it. And um, and he was the manager. His name was Mark. He was another manager. And it happened. He really liked my sketches and and it happened that he loved art as well. And we had a really nice chat about art. And uh, 
And he was so nice. And I said, OK, um, that's it. I'll, oh, and just to say, he told me about his childhood growing up um, around Dublin City and on Grafton Street. I think his his granny had a flower stall. I'm not quite sure, but she used to give him a fiver and say, um, off you go. Don't be annoying me now for the rest of the day, uh, which he just loved, as you can imagine. So um, he uh, he had these cakes, this beautiful little box, gorgeous decorated box. And I said, thanks very much, Mark. His name is Mark. I said, I'll just settle up and be on my way. And he said, uh, Actually, that's that's on the house. And I said, but, but, but what about my voucher? Uh, I have to use it. Today is the last day. And he said very calmly, well, you can use it as you want, if you want. But either way, there's no charge. He said, or you can draw it. So I drew the voucher. Um, I drew the voucher. And you can see it in, 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 in the little drawing of the cakes. It's on page 155. Um, of my book Dublin in stories in sketches and stories and um, unfortunately the box that I drew wasn't well drawn at all so I didn't include it because I just made a hames of it really and uh, and my brother uh, was very glad of the cakes um, so all in all it was a really lovely sketching episode um, I drew the the people in their black and white uniforms from my little position on the balcony I don't think I did them justice but, uh, you know, you can see them there anyway. Um, so that was one of the more lovely sketching experiences in a cafe. Um, and Don't go away and I'll see where else I can take you. Well, you can't say I don't bring you fun places with this podcast. So, um, yeah, we're we're improving your, your sketch life and we're going to all sorts of exotic places in the process. So the next place I'm taking you is Clermont-Ferrand, right in the very heart of France. So this this fabulous town, it's um, it's 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 quite high up and it's surrounded by uh, like extinct volcanoes. It's in the Auvergne region of France. Um, so not alone have you got this kind of big metropolis city, but Within a few minutes, you're in gorgeous countryside, um, in the in the this this lovely hilly terrain, and you can see the the hills everywhere you look, when you're in um when you're in Clermont-Ferrand, and sometimes they're shrouded in mist, as they were at the time I visited in November. And sometimes, you know, they're they're not. I <laughs> I don't know because I haven't been there yet in the sunshine, but um yeah, they're all old extinct volcanoes, and. Uh, in fact, the main cathedral in the heart of Clermont-Ferrand is is black um, because volcanic stone is black. And I could tell you why, but that's not this podcast. But anyway, it's black. So it's a very um, it's a very kind of sombre looking building and it's just as sombre inside as it is outside. Very imposing. Um, but that's not that's not where I went to sketch. Um, that's not the cafe because it isn't a cafe. That's not where I went to sketch um, for this ne- next little bit. So I'm, I I visited last November. Oh, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, Michelin and Clermont-Ferrand. So the town got its wealth from, I don't know if it got its wealth from, but anyway, a very big part of its its uh, cultural history is, or economic history, is the company Michelin, who make tyres, um, that white fat guy, the Michelin man. Um, he is symbolic of tyres. And um, there's a tram system that goes through Clermont-Ferrand and it's the quietest tram system in the world because um, I guess the people who ran Michelin had a lot of influence over the um, the politicians back in the day. And they insisted that the trams would all have rubber tyres. So that's why they are the quietest, quietest tram in the world, I believe. So anyway, I was in Clermont-Ferrand in November 
of 2021. I was there to attend the uh, Rendezvous Carnet de Voyage Festival, um, which is where people uh, show off their sketchbooks and their um, if they've published a book, something to do with traveling and making a sketchbook while you're about it. So um, I was there as a as an as a, what's the word um, ob- observer? That's the word I'm looking for. I was there as an observer just to enjoy myself for a few days. Um, I normally when I travel for work, I'm there as a um, you know an instructor or a participant in some way. So this was, I think, pretty much the first time I ever went somewhere just for you know a little bit of a just for a jolly few days and I spent the few days that I was there in the company of my two good friends um Detlef Surrey and Nicola Meyer Reimer who are two of my very good pals from Germany um and they were also there as non-participants so we had a really nice time and on the first the first afternoon it was very very cold but it was sunny and bright and it was just lovely actually and on the very first afternoon um myself and Detlef we took up position um in a cafe called Bar des Beaux-Arts, um, gorgeous little place um, in the very heart of the town. Um, we set to, we set about sketching. Now, I'm, before I tell you what that was like, I want to tell you, I want to share with you a few tips about sketching people in a cafe. First thing I'm going to say is it's a fabulous thing to do. You're, you're sitting there with your coffee and your, um, your pens and papers. If you're lucky, you're there with a friend as well. Um, and what's lovely is Detlef and I, we, we didn't know each other very well, but um, it was, she was just so relaxed just to sit there beside someone who's a very, very nice and pleasant person. But you don't have to talk when you're when you're sketching. So you get to know each other in a very relaxed uh, way. And uh, I tend to be a bit of a blabbermouth. Huh, you don't say, Ro. But yeah, I do. <laughs> There's a big surprise for you. And um, I tend to uh, spill my guts far too quickly. And the, if I'm sketching, well, that keeps me a little bit quiet, which is always good um, in my case. But never mind that. I just think it's a really, really good way to get to know people in a very um, easy and relaxed pace. So if you want your sketch to go well, which no doubt you do when you're sketching, I'm going to share a couple of tips with you about that. Now, the first thing I would say is um, complete each person to their in, the, in, in their entirety. So each little sketch of a person you make, finish it. Don't start throwing a few lines down and then go on to someone else because they're going to leave. So get those lines down, get the outline, choose. I was going to say choose a pose that you think they're going to keep, but you don't know, like you just don't know if they're going to keep it. So so just just get drawing, get drawing. And if they move, if they move dramatically, if they, you know, um, change position or turn, they probably won't. But if they do, maybe just wait until they go back to the original position that you tried to capture them in. Or what you can do is um, use, I would recommend always using a foodie pen, a 55 degree foodie pen. And I like to use brown ink, as you probably know by now. Um, I use Document Ink by Diatramentis. It's waterproof and it's just a lovely colour, lovely texture, lovely everything. But if you use the reverse of the nib of the foodie pen, um, you'll get a real skinny little scribbly sketchy line. And if you draw your people really quickly, as quickly as you can, you won't really notice if you make a mistake. You can go over the lines that you want to keep with the regular, the, the regular side of the nib and that'll give you a much heavier, more sort of statementy line. But by the same token, it also means that if the person moves um, dramatically, um, really shifts position quite a lot, you you won't notice those first skinny little scratchy lines. So 
take your chances. Just jump in and get scribbling. And as I say, the foodie pen is a really, really good option for us for a for a rapid and really expressive line so that's the first thing i'd say complete the people in their entirety and the next thing i would say is um as you draw each person uh just bear in mind that you're going to i would recommend using a very limited color palette so in the sketch that i have used for the um for the illustration for the this particular episode i stuck to a small range of browns and just paints grey in different dilutions. So that I highly, highly recommend that as an option. I think it's a really good idea. You've you can make your skin tone, whatever skin tone you're looking at. I mean, obviously people vary. So a combination of yellow ochre, maybe a little bit of upper pink, uh, plus or minus burnt umber, burnt sienna. Um, but then that'll give you a good range of skin tones. It'll also give you um it's also easy because they're they aren't dramatically different from each other. So there's not a huge amount of chopping and changing and washing your brush out between each one. Um, I also would highly recommend, no matter what the light conditions are doing, exaggerate them, give the limbs that you're drawing in when you're painting them, give them a little white slick of light at the top side of each of the little bits of limbs, whether that's the face or the arm or whatever it happens to be. Same goes for the hair. So I like to draw my hair in people's hair in kind of like paints grey for very dark hair. Burnt umber, maybe burnt umber mixed with paints grey. That's that, that can be quite good. Or you can just use your brown ink in your pen to scribble in a bit of hair. That, that'll work well. Um, and then you can dilute it according to if you want blonde hair, if you want sort of mid brown hair and just leave it out altogether if you want white hair. And if you want grey hair, just use a very, very dilute little bit of um, paints grey and that, that'll work well. So there you go. The summary is one person at a time, paint, draw as well as paint each person at a time and keep your palette to a very tight, limited range. Um, and don't forget to keep a little slick of white light on top of the limbs. Um, in With regards to drawing people right when they're looking at you in the face, just, you can you can take the approach of like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to brazen it out. Okay, now I'm not very good at that. So um, the funny thing is, if, if, you're, if you're drawing sort of macho guys, now, I don't know, I don't know, maybe Ireland's different, but there were a lot of macho guys at that particular cafe that particular day in that particular town in France. And, um, they aren't going to be face down, you know, they're, they're, they don't, they don't give a sugar about, you know, who's this middle-aged bint drawing me? I don't care. I'm just going to, you know, smoke my cigarette and I'm going to drink my coffee and I don't care. She doesn't scare me, which no doubt I did not scare the gentleman in question. But what they also do is they make a point of not meeting your gaze. They're far too cool for that. So, there you go. That's that's definitely to your advantage and you can draw away to your heart's content and they're just not going to say anything. They're just not going to say anything. I mean, if they came up and sort of said, hey, uh, 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 madame, vous me dessinez, hein? quoi, qu'est-ce qui se passe? Well, you know, you're drawing me, what do you ask? That's, they're not going to do that because then they're implying that you're a threat to them and, you know, God forbid, <laughs> you're not a threat to them and they want to make that clear. So they just ignore you and uh, <laughs> they just ignore you and you just go, hmm, and draw away and everything's fine. So I really enjoyed those people. Oh, yeah, and another small little thing is um, start at the uh, premier plan, as I say, the foreground, and just work your way backwards. So draw with the draw the bits closest to you and work your way backwards. It's obvious, isn't it? Just um, draw what's in front of you, fill the page, and then uh, fill in any gaps 
um, between them with the people behind. And of course, the good news is the people behind them certainly won't notice what you're doing because they can't even see you and they're facing each other. They're not facing you. Also, people are having a nice time with their pals and they are not going to be noticing what you're doing. Now, there was one man who myself and Detlef certainly noticed him before he noticed us. He was an old guy, old timer, and he was reading his paper and he had uh, one of these kind of trucker baseball caps on, you know, the type of kind of plasticky ones. And it had Goodyear written on it. And Goodyear <laughs> are the rival company or a rival company to Michelin. And uh, and so Detlef and I were, were kind of laughing, saying, you know, maybe he's a spy and he's there for Goodyear. Um, but then why would he have it written on his baseball cap? Well, you know, maybe he's double bluffing them, you know, hiding in plain sight. Oh, that guy couldn't be a spy because he wouldn't make it so obvious, you know. Anyway, he was he's a he was a nice old guy and he was a typical uh old French fella, like really, really tight skin, taut over his cheekbones, tight jeans, because you know, he used to be the man. And uh and he had lovely sort of uh old leathery tanned tanned face and his big peak of his baseball cap uh casting a shadow over his face. And he had a a, a kind of a cool little goatee as well, snow white hair and a cool goatee. And he was reading the paper. And he's having a nice time. Anyway, eventually he clocked that we were drawing him and he came over and he was like, ah, bonjour, vous me dessinez? And I was like, oui, you know, just be really nice and friendly. Yeah, we're drawing you. Yeah, we are. Yeah, what do you think? Do you like it? Oh, it's super. I really like it. It's fantastic. Speaking French. I'm just sort of giving him a, you know, sort of a stage French accent here, speaking English. So he it was like, yeah, yeah, I, I am a drawer too. I spent many years in my youth drawing and he said, I'm going to tell you a story, an amazing story. He said, uh, it was the 1970s and I was in Paris and I was sitting on the curb and I was drawing. And he said, I heard a voice say behind me, alors, vous dessinez, you're drawing. And I said, yes. And I turned around and it was Yves Montand. Um, and he was just beaming and he had these beautiful bright blue eyes and they were lit up with excitement as he was telling us about Yves Montand, who I know, like, you know, I wouldn't know a huge amount about French cinema or is it French music? I'm not sure. But I even even I have heard the name Yves Montand. I mean, he's just one of those names, you know, that you just know from, you know, it's like Brigitte Bordeaux, isn't it? He just you just know Yves Montand. Anyway, he was super excited and he was so happy and he was such a nice man. Um, He was just lovely. And he chatted away, chatted away, chatted away. And then he went back and sat down and he was lovely. So that was um, and he was his name was Monsieur Casson. And he demonstrated, he mimed breaking a stick. Casson means breaking, casson in French. So anyway, that was Monsieur Casson. And it was really, really lovely to sketch there that day. Um, and then we got really cold and uh, we had to wrap it up. But um, you can see from my sketch, just a very limited range of blues and browns and people. And it was a lovely afternoon, lovely, lovely couple of hours spent with Detlef. It was really nice. Two cafes worth of sketching. I'm sorry, two coffees, two coffees worth of sketching. And uh, yeah, lovely way to spend a freezing cold November afternoon. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you from um, the, the, the glory of Clermont-Ferrand in the heart of France. And I'm going to take you to the glamour, the glamour of uh, Vienna. Um, and we're on another midwinter day in oh I can't remember when it was a couple of years ago um I guess I turned 50 um a few years ago and I didn't feel I was properly celebrated and uh you know pampered so 
what I did with my my lovely husband, Marcel, in the end, we decided to go to Vienna for a few days. Um, and it was really fab. And you know what? It was extra special because there was a Bruegel exhibition on at the time in, I can't pronounce the name of the gallery, but it was this really, really huge and extremely special exhibition of the works of Bruegel. And I am just like a Bruegel nut, okay? I mean, I'm a complete fangirl for, for, for Bruegel. I was only seven when I was given a poster of um one of the peasant weddings um, or peasant wedding by one of the Bruegels more, more accurately because there was the father and son. And I can't remember which one did this one, but it was a peasant wedding um, done in the uh, 16th century. Um, and I had it over my bed um, as a little seven-year-old. That my, I think my mum had bought the poster in um, the National Gallery. And I don't know why she she gave it to me or maybe I chose it. I don't know because I was seven years old. It was this huge like A1 poster. And I, I looked at it every night. That was what I stared at as a kid when when your world is absolutely tiny and doesn't really expand beyond the confines of your 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 home and your brothers and sisters and maybe your dog and your cat, and your mummy and daddy and that's and maybe school and that's your world. But this was this scene of like peasants in rough cloth clothing done in this gorgeous tight palette that is very similar to the palette that I use now. The line is very similar to the line that I use now. The The subject matter is very similar to what I do now. I, I, I draw crowds of people and I draw people having fun and I draw very strong character in faces. So it kind of makes me wonder how much how much of an influence did that scene have on my 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 growing DNA, I suppose. But something happened. Anyway, this Bruegel exhibition wasn't going to be missed for anything. And tickets were like hen's teeth. You couldn't get them. They just, they just, you know, weren't to be had. But Marcel, my husband's mom, is Austrian or was Austrian. We, we lost her a couple of years ago. And Marcel still has lots of cousins in Austria. And amazingly, one of them was married to someone who worked in this gallery, this this National Museum or whatever it was, National Gallery of some sort in Vienna. Um, and they were able to get tickets for us. So that was astonishing. It was incredible. And not alone that, but we were going to go accompanied by Marcel's wonderful cousin, Uli, and um, and her partner, Vastel. So I have to tell you guys, it was just the most amazing experience. Now, unfortunately, I remember the crowds, I think, more than the actual paintings, in particular one very sharp elbowed and very aggressive woman who um, was 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 just dreadful. I mean, you had to inch along, you know, flesh by flesh by flesh with the person in front of you to see each painting. And I did this thing where I was refusing to look at the painting until I could actually see it face on, which was just, I don't know, it's a bit a bit intense of me, a bit dumb. But nonetheless, it was it was amazing experience and I, I I I would I would pay a lot of money to 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 go back again to 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 a to a Bruegel exhibition and the work was incredible and the whole exhibition was amazing. Afterwards Uli and Vastel and myself and Marcel we we felt you know we needed to revive our spirits after that intense experience. So we trudged through the snow through the streets of Vienna 
and we came to this beautiful cafe called Café Klimt. And funnily enough, Klimt is another artist who made a massive impression on me as well. You know the kiss, the one where this um, black-haired guy is kissing this red-haired woman and it's all gold and sparkly? Well, that kind of means a lot to me because when I met my dear husband um, in my late 20s, well, I guess I was the red-haired woman, he was the black-haired man and uh, it was all a very heady time of falling in love and that I remember um, somebody gave us a happy engagement card when we got engaged and it was it was that scene and so it means a lot to me. Anyway, there you go. That's the soppy bit. But Café Klimt is this amazing place. And of course, Vienna is famous for its beautiful cakes. Um, and even though um, the cakes were on plates and on these lovely uh, pale, creamy grey marble tables, I couldn't not paint more of the cakes. So I painted some of the prettier cakes sort of floating in the air. You know, there was one called a Lebenskuchentorte. There was a Gugelhopf. There was a Klimt Torte and there was a Cardinal. That's my that's my um, Austrian accent. I don't know how good that is. But anyway, that's my Austrian accent. So um, they're floating around in the top side of the um, the painting and you can of the sketch and you can see it on my on my Instagram. It's somewhere somewhere in the in the uh, I don't know. Look for what would it be? Uh, I guess January 2019. And you'll find it there if you're interested, because I can only put one illustration per podcast and I'm going to put the, the one from France in it. So the colours, again, are very muted. They're very limited, not muted. No, muted's the wrong word here because they're bright red and beautiful golden yellow. But they're limited because that's pretty much all the colours I chose, other than the paints grey that is ubiquitous, the skin colour that, of course, has to be done um, and the yellow ochre burnt sienna of the floor and luckily enough those brownie golden colours were very suitable for the cakes that I painted as well and I painted the walls in a soft warm yellow um, and the uh, the menu was a lovely soft warm yellow as well so um, and then I just gave whatever highlights of colour um, I, uh, I think the waitress had a red kind of a mini skirt and then there was red um, fabric on the bonquettes so that was a very, um, that was a really enjoyable sketch to do, sitting there with Uli and Vastel and Marcel. Um, and it holds a very, very special place in my heart, a very special moment. Life is far too short, as we know. And moments like that are really, really lovely and to be savoured. My companions didn't mind at all that I was sketching. They are all art lovers and were only too delighted to see me recording the moment. Um, but that was definitely one of my more um, special cafe moments. So that's it. That's that's the second last one. And I'm going to finish up with one more little little description of sketching in a cafe because you might find it's kind of useful. Don't go away. Well, for the last little bit of this episode, I want to tell you about um, one last thing that you might find interesting. And I'm bringing you home to Galway, to my town. I was sketching um, about a month ago outside McCambridge's, which is this amazing cafe right on the main street in Galway City. And um, I was sitting in the sun, baseball cap on and... Everything was great, watching people go by. But it was just one of those days when I couldn't really just stare at someone. You know, it was one of those days when the subjects just weren't there to be stared at inconspicuously. So I drew my coffee cup. 
um, and the little jug of milk and a little bit of a croissant beside it all. And I would say that just drawing your coffee by itself is a really, really lovely thing to do. Um, don't forget to drink it um, while it's hot. So in order to uh, achieve that, you need to sketch the top surface of the coffee first. OK, so um, if it's got that like, you know, two tone surface, you know, the way good coffee has got like the darker bit and the paler bit. So just paint it in the paler bit and then wait for it to dry and then use the same color again and just drop it on top. Um, and don't forget, and you'll have the two tone effect. Don't forget your little uh, to leave little white bits for the frothy bits or for the shine on the liquid. Um, and yeah, get that down in place and then you can get on with drawing the rest of the cup. So in this sketch that I'm referring to, you can see it. It's a very recent one on my Instagram. Um, it's mostly red and then there's a big coffee in the foreground. So I think there's a reel of it as well. I can't remember. I think I made a reel of painting it as well. But it's, you can have a look there and see for yourself. But it's really nice if you're feeling a little bit self-conscious or you don't particularly want to draw um, people or if they just aren't there, which is often the case. So lots of paints grey in different dilutions and then the browns in different layers and job is done. So um yeah, and again, as always, lots of areas left white and sparkling for the porcelain, the shine, the sunny shine and the porcelain. And always start at your foreground and work backwards. Um, and in fact, actually, uh, there is a copy of that very lesson on my website if you want to give it a go for yourself. So, um, so there you go. That's bringing it home to Galway and um, just showing you, just giving you the little heads up to don't, don't forget, you don't have to draw people. You don't have to be self-conscious about drawing people around you. Just enjoy drawing your coffee and you'll really enjoy yourself. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the last thing I'll say about drawing in cafe for now. Anyway. Well, that brings us to an end of today's episode of Sketch Therapist. I really hope that I've inspired you to go and draw in a cafe because it's one of the most relaxing ways to spend an afternoon and what's lovely about it is you don't have to have a mate you can be like me row billy no mates row no mates um and you can you can just go and enjoy yourself all on your own and you will not feel your solitude I can assure you when you're sketching because all you can think of is like how do I draw that thing you know, you don't think oh, you have no friends. You just think, how do I, how do I draw that thing? How does, how does that work? What colors should I use? So, um, so, so yeah, highly recommend it wherever you are. And it's a great way to have um, memories of nice places you've been. Another thing I wanted to tell you about is my beginners course, uh, watercolor sketching for beginners. It's starting on the 23rd of May, um, seven o'clock in the evening, Irish time, which is two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern daylight time. I think the D stands for daylight, doesn't it? And it is they the class each class runs for ninety minutes. There are four of them, and um, they're not consecutive Mondays because I couldn't do one of the Mondays. So check out my website for the dates. Twenty third of May it starts, and they're always recorded. So don't panic if you can't get to the live. Although the live is a bit of fun, the cost is a princely twenty euros for all four classes because, as you may know, I'm a great believer in accessibility. I am evangelistic about sketching, and I want the same for everybody. Um, and anyway, you're going to spend so much money. On your paints eventually and your pens and uh, all that good stuff so you might as well see if you can get your lessons um on the cheap so um so so see see what you think go you can go and join in have a look at my um website for the details and you can sign up there 
Monday 23rd of May. Uh, what else was I going to say to you? So yeah, so you'll find some of the sketches, well you'll find all the Bewley sketches in my book Dublin in Sketches and Stories. So um, I do recommend you check that out. It's published by Merriam Press and if I say so myself, it's a really good book. So yeah, have a look at that. Um, and other than that, all it remains for me to say to you is, oh yeah, and don't forget about the class that I mentioned with the coffee cup that's available on my website. Um, that is a few weeks old, but you'll find it there in the download a recording section on my website, Um, Other than that, I am going to say thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And as always, I wish you happy sketching. <laughs>